Hi, everybody. Welcome to Documentary Talk. My name is Don Payne. This is episode two. Today, we'll be discussing the documentary Rubble Kings by director Shane Nicholson. This documentary is about the 1970s street gangs in the Bronx in New York City and eventually how it morphs into the beginning hip hop scene. I'll be having the discussion once again with my good friend Juan Castro, and he'll be phoning in from Sacramento, California. And again, if you have anything, comments, suggestions, critique, please don't hesitate to contact us, docutalkpodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit our blog, documentarytalkpodcast.wordpress.com, or you can join our Facebook page, Documentary Talk. So I think we had talked about it just a bit. It was actually the first documentary we talked about that you had brought up. Yeah. I asked you, you know, what had brought it to your attention. I think you said you were just kind of scrolling around on Netflix and saw it there. I did. Well, what actually drew my attention was uh, The Warriors, the, the 1970s uh, cult classic. And you remember when we were growing up, man, how we, we always spoke about that movie. It was kind of the action movie of, you know, our time. And You know, we all, as kids, we, we talked about that movie. We, you know, I don't know, for some reason we thought it was a really cool movie having no idea it was actually you know based on the real stuff that was happening in the bronx in the 70s yeah what i like about it is everyone is trying to find their own identity and there's there's so much different culture in new york that you really see a difference in gang culture from one street to the next there's a difference in how people dress and how they kind of view themselves yeah and it it would also i think for whatever reason i remember we had our little street type gangs we were kids, obviously, but uh, it was actually yeah. till I think middle school after middle school. It reflected a different kind of gang culture. Yeah, and it was you know we were all trying to find our own identity. I don't know, and I think it, that's what kind of sparked the interest, you know, because I think of the different the way people presented themselves in in gang culture. But yeah, you know, with uh, this movie, I don't know. I I I love how they brought you know New York to life. Uh, and really what New York, basically, I mean, when you look at New York, it, it, it's its own, it has its own character in itself. People use it in movies as a part of the act, you know, because it almost has a life of, of its own. I, I truly believe that the character of the city is actually in the poverty-stricken area. You know, that's where you really see what the city is really about and how, how much unity and how strong the people, how well people come together, you know, in a community. In, in the impoverished area, you know, and I think it just shows what it was about, and that's what that movie does. Just the name alone, Rubble Kings, and just looking at the the topography of the of the city as they were showing the old footage of it was a lot of rubble. Looking back in Sacramento uh, when we were kids, where we lived, it seemed pretty desolate at times. I mean, I recently went back, like right around the corner from where we lived, and oh, wow. uh, you know, I went to a comedy club over there, and it was just. I can see kind of the neighborhood a little ways away, not in detail, but you know, I could go, Oh, it was right over there. But just where I was at was just totally different. I mean, it's so much, you know, it just was, it looked nice. And uh, when I was a kid, I remember there was a lot of fields. There yeah. was a lot of, uh, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't as bad as, you know, obviously the situation in the Bronx in the seventies, but it just kind of brought to mind how, there was a lot of stuff that was laying around and it wasn't in very good condition, you know, all that area. So, you know, it looked a lot, mm-hmm. um, 
different now. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, where we did a lot of our, you know, just stuff that we hung out and did, you know, and just all kinds of different things. We used to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, so, I remember there was like and, upside down cars out there we'd crawl through and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I was... remember that too, man. Yeah, a lot of people used to throw their trash out in the field. It's a lot cheaper than going to the dump. And so, you know, you get a lot of contractors who don't want to spend five bucks on, you know, get to toss their trash. And you still have that. I just think it's, you know, now with all the, the cameras and video footage. I thought the thing about, you know, how they brought that city to life, you know, um, through just kind of seeing it, you know, how we viewed our own city. Seeing it through the eyes of, of kids who are, you know, struggling to survive the way we did, you know, and just having this, the same kind of common problems and faces, you know, a lot of single parents, and there were a lot of gangs. And then you kind of see how how it happened. Yeah. And we saw this beautiful portrait in Hollywood of New York and how it looked before of the 70s and how they, you know, brought in and they wanted to bring in a, a new freeway, and, and it went right through the Bronx. And that's where we started seeing a lot of, yeah. you know, because they still do a lot of filming. And I mean, New York was basically a lot of filming was done there in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And in the 70s, it changed a lot. And ha what we saw on on the silver screen. Yeah. And there was a lot of problems, I remember. And I see it just, it just looked dirtier. And you just see how trashy things are. A lot of, I was going to say, a lot of those movies that came from that, the 70s and the New York-based yeah. movies, I mean, like Mean Streets. A lot of those movies had that gritty look, and New York in general looked more dirty and more gritty and more hardcore. When you look at a lot of those movies yeah. that were that came yeah. from that time period, and I think we, you know, there was an explanation with the movie Rebel Kings. We we kind of get an explanation why that all took place, building that freeway, and they went right through the Bronx and really made a lot of folks who uh, lived there move. And then you know they started demolishing all these homes. Because they were, there was so much poverty there, you know, even those who owned the Silver Slum Lords, you know, weren't getting the money that they used to get, you know, and they thought it better if they were just to set the building on fire and, you know, use the insurance money. And I guess, you know, there was a lot of uh, even more condemned buildings because of that. Something that I think that's going on in Detroit right now. Right. You know, you, you think of Detroit before it used to be a nice, green, with a really strong middle class, but now, you know, you see a, a city really just became some of the footage that comes from out of detroit and i can't remember i think there's a documentary that i i watched that covered detroit now you know in today's time and it's horrific yeah i mean they're you know just abandoned huge abandoned buildings that are it's just really bad and sad yeah that you know that city is just left to to rot exactly so you, you see that and then you, you saw that in, you know a city or even a state not care about when you show your, the people that you care about the impoverished, you, that you care about the poverty-stricken, then there's more pride and dignity that you're going to get out of that city and out of the population. It just seemed like, you know, you don't care, well, we don't care. And, and that, was the, that was the kind of attitude that started to come out from the street. Yeah, and, and they didn't have, they interviewed, um, I think it was the former mayor, um, and he was talking about how at that time New York was in debt, you know, they, and they didn't have a lot of money, and as you know that project came in to build that freeway right through the bronx and the middle class moved out and all that was left were he said the people that had the most need you know for programs and things like that they didn't have so they just left them there and then they're like okay so they're in this environment now that's been totally decayed 
and they're saying, okay, well, the one thing we can do is take, you know, is like say this is our street. So if you're going to come in here, you know, we're going to make sure that you understand that this belongs to us, basically. And even the police were afraid to go into those areas at that time. Yeah, I was. That's crazy. I guess there were murders that weren't even solved. You know, and I mean, you wouldn't think of that today, but back then there were just unsolved murders. People laying in the streets and they would just be sitting there. You know, and it was almost like you know you didn't even have. There were no, there was no authority, and the only authority was the gang. Right. You know, you started having the the gangs really become the family because by that time, you know, drugs started becoming a big part of everyday life, right. and, and you know, when you start having drugs become a part of everyday life and family situations, that family's not going to stick together, and you know, you had really hard drugs hitting that society. You have nothing else. You wake up to rubble. You know, you you look outside. And it's just trash. And so it's just a depressing sight when you don't have someone mentally strong to kind of show you how to deal with these kind of situations. And I think that's probably what happened is just like what I see today, you know, you have a whole generation of fatherless children, not a lot of people who want to stand up to the plate and kind of take on that responsibility. And I, I, I blame my own faith, a lot of those in my own religion for this kind of situation, you know, because... We are people, so we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to make large because we make these mistakes together as a people. And you know, yeah, we'll yeah, talk about track again. No, 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 Sorry. that's fine. It's you know, sometimes it's uh, that's the best stuff. But in in any case, I want to talk a little bit about the um, characters in the movie. I mean, yeah. I say characters, yeah. but since we're talking a documentary, I mean these were. I want to talk a little bit about the real life individuals that were in the movie mm-hmm. that were talked about. Um, so they talked about Benji. And also, I think his nickname was Yellow, Yellow Benji. Okay, yeah. And he was kind of the spokesperson for the primary uh, gang that they focused on, which was the Ghetto Brothers. Mm-hmm. Also, his, I guess, I think he was the president, but he was uh, Karate Charlie. Karate, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Karate Charlie was the president, and he was also the the one more inclined to go to battle. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the name Karate Charlie, you would think think he would be. Um, so he w- And they made an interesting... They had an interesting dynamic. They made an interesting team because Benji was kind of the one that would talk about the big, broader social context. And I think he might have been back then the only one really doing that mm-hmm. as far as in that Bronx at that time and amongst those gangs. And then Karate Charlie was the one that was the more you know hard edged person. And so you had this interesting combination and the fact that they became friends and uh, led this uh, gang, the Ghetto Brothers. And the fact that um, you had Benji, who he was thinking about long term uh, survival as far as like everyone figuring out how to make things better in their environment. Yeah. And Karate Charlie was necessary when for the when they had you know, he was training their the Ghetto Brothers in self-defense. He was an ex-military person, ex-Marine. And then they had they also had Black Benji, who was the one that. Benji, yellow Benji, that is identified as really good at talking to youth in particular about peace. And he's like, oh, he's our peacemaker. And he'll whenever we have a conflict, we'll we'll uh, seek resolution first. We'll send him to talk to the other gangs or whatever. And also is a good role model for youth because he had a really, I guess, effective way of communicating peace. But unfortunately, he's the one that got killed and almost and then the whole thing almost went into a big gang war that would have, I guess, uh, you know, just been really severe. Uh, what did Karate Charlie say? The, the Bronx would have been bathed in blood. Exactly. Right. And, and that was really the most powerful part for me was once um, 
Black Benji was killed. And he was trying to establish peace and, you know, someone didn't recognize him or something happened and, and they killed him. And once it word got back to Benji, yellow Benji and karate, Charlie, karate, Charlie was like, okay, we're going to war. And he's calling yeah. in favors, rounding up all the gangs he could on his side to go to war after the, the gangs that were involved in killing black Benji and yellow Benji smart. I mean, he was brilliant. I thought the guy was brilliant. He said, Hey, let's yeah. go, let's go talk to, um, Let's go talk to Black Benji's mom before we go. Yep. And he takes Karate Charlie yep. over there. And I just, that was so powerful. Karate Charlie's talking now as an old man about, I went in there proud of myself and we're going to, you know, get revenge for, for Benji. And he goes, and she just looked at me and said, Charlie, my son died for peace. And then that just, mm. and his expression and just the way deflated his ego and everything about what he was ready to do. That was just, that was powerful. That was powerful. And it was it was the fact that, you know, and I'm not trying to change this over to religion again, but, you know, it kind of reflects when you look at, you know, Christ being murdered and his innocence being, you know, uh, murdered by for nothing, you know, and yet it actually transforms the world. And then Black Benji, or, you know, uh, the, peace, the peace ambassador, his blood was spilt for peace. And it transformed the community. And actually, if we look at it, transform the world. Because hip-hop is a big part of our culture today, and it transforms the world. And it was, I, it, it started from, all, you know, hip-hop originated out of, you know, that. The Bronx. The Bronx, the Bronx yeah. And, and that's interesting, that connection. Yeah. I had no idea. And I was like, the connection between hip-hop and these 1970 gangs in the Bronx and how it developed. Yep. from those gangs and their resolution, that peace resolution after the death of the peace ambassador, Black Benji, mm -hmm. um, how it developed in the fact that uh, Benji, Yellow Benji, the leader, had this band and what started him, you know, said, had that huge meeting, which was basically in The Warriors. Yeah. Uh, right, the movie The Warriors had that huge meeting inviting all the gangs. And that was also very powerful because he had, the, he said he knew, who the people were that had killed his peace ambassador and they were sitting up there and then they had actual footage and you can see them yep. just sweating because they thought they were going to get whacked. Yeah. And he's talking and there's footage of him talking, basically saying enough is enough and we need to stop this. And all the gangs are there and they established, you know, everybody signs this peace resolution. And then he smartly starts inviting them to parties where they're playing music and asking them to bring their musical instruments and be involved. And then you had the DJs and then you had, I think they even had African Bambata in the documentary and all these, um, all these hip hop pioneers start having these parties and people coming and instead, and they're dancing instead of fighting. And even though they had, you know, hip hop with early break dancing and pop, you know, it's kind of like battling each yeah. other, but yeah. instead of fighting, you know, they're doing it in dance. Yeah. And they competed in, in a form of, there was a form of entertainment that, they were able to get the attention of the masses. See, they got the attention through intimidation before, but then they learned how to get the attention by entertainment. And that, yeah. you enjoy that more. When you can make someone laugh and gain their attention in comparison to, to uh, intimidation is power. And women are, in fact, the power. But it gets right. old quick. But you can never right. stop making someone laugh. And they enjoy that time. every time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I thought it was also interesting because he was talking about, you know, how they had the Puerto Rican or predominantly Puerto Rican gangs. And I think the Ghetto Brothers were. 
and then you had the black gangs and you also had the white gangs and all these other gangs and then you had this mix of people hanging out at the same parties and i think one guy was saying you know you can go up talk to another girl that you wouldn't have been able to before because she was puerto rican or she was black and then her and you know her and live right that's <laughs> yeah, what he that said and funny. live because her gang would and they couldn't mix that way or at least not too much and now it was everybody's mixing and then benji again brilliant puts up the puerto rican flag and i think it was the black liberation flag or uh, i'm not sure which flag it was and he goes he points and goes look up there and he has them flying side by side and he's like we are one people you know and it's just like this guy was thinking on a whole nother level dude he reminds me of you I mean, he does. Oh, I, I just know he did. He totally did. That was you growing up, man. You were, you just had that kind. You had a level head. You know what I mean? And yeah, he was. He was speaking on yeah, another that level. That was beyond the, that way. His was beyond the level head. He was. He was not just level headed. He was. Um, well, I remember you know, when we were when I went out there to see you just one time, and you were talking about how there was a little gang war going on at the Merced, and that you had actually brokered the peace, and that of course it's on a smaller scale. But it doesn't mean it's any a smaller thing, you know. What I mean, it's still a very big thing because they were pretty violent. Just because you're in a smaller city doesn't mean these guys don't get violent, and they did, you know, uh, during that time. I don't recall that specifically, but I mean, I I did strive to have people get along because uh, it was safer in the long run, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was know thinking guys, mostly about safety. It's funny because it doesn't matter how big the town is. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes it can be scarier and, you know, when it's a smaller town because you know where that person lives. Mm. In a larger place, you can kind of hide. But in a smaller town, you can't hide. And people are always trying to prove their mettle, you know what I mean, prove their worth. And Mm. it doesn't matter in a small town or in a bigger town. It's just just as dangerous anywhere, you know. So, and I remember you talking about how you were broke, you know, kind of getting a piece of, taken care of there in that time and uh because i remember this is where i think i met your wife i don't know i don't remember that but i don't okay. i don't think it was her so okay yeah but anyway this this guy though he was what he was doing was amazing and i, I just thought man what a great story un, un, well not untold but i certainly wasn't aware of it and its connection to hip-hop and the the way the bronx was and you know the bronx even you know all the way over here on the west coast you hear about a reputation and I, and I was a big fan of like Karis one boogie down productions, uh, you know, which they had this song, the South Bronx and how hip hop started there and all this stuff. And they're always talking about how tough it was, you know, yeah. and then you had, you had New York tough yeah, and then you had Bronx tough, right. Which is, which is like the, yeah. the hard, hardcore. And just to watch this documentary about these gangs and how that, actually you know it was really bad and and i i can imagine like they were talking about guns were starting to come in a little later so they had bats knives and all this stuff i mean obviously nothing pretty they were carving each other up and everything else and people getting killed but if that situation had been the guns and stuff and had come in and i think drugs also heavy had come in earlier on i can just imagine the death toll that would have taken place but luckily because of the ghetto brothers and benji and karate charlie and them working to try to get everybody socially conscious and get to that point where they had this crisis and they utilized it instead of utilizing it to set off a huge war, you know, they utilize it to say, okay, this is the, actually the best moment to establish peace. This message we've been trying to put across, we'll get everybody together and say, that's it. Here's what we do going forward and actually, you know, really help their, their situation and, and, uh, led to hip hop. 
basically, right? Or at least definitely yeah. contributed. It did. It did. You know what's funny is remember how I mean the media it was the, the violence was so so bad then. It was there it was covered by the media like crazy. I mean they, they were constantly they actually had their own show, I think. Like there was a, a show about gang life, you know, there in New York. And what was to me really interesting is when uh Benji when um Black Benji died and they were doing a news conference and they were, you know, the media was expecting them to come out and say, we're going to go after them and we're going to just bathe the the walls in blood. And yet they said, no, we're going for peace. And how all the media just started to leave. He, um, he knew all. Yeah, he pointed it out, right? He used it. That was so smart. Pointed he uh, it out. pointed to all the people ready to go to war. And of course, yeah. they didn't want it. Yeah. They're going to come out of this building and they want to hear we're going to war. Everybody's already riled up and ready to go. So he de-escalates it by pointing to the fact that as soon as they said it wasn't going to happen, all the media started leaving. And he said, see, this is all they care about. All they care about is seeing us act like animals. And once we act like humans, then they're not interested. Let's not give them any satisfaction. Let's not play to that. You know, it's funny because these guys were wearing, okay, and see, I'm not a big communist fan, but they were wearing like red scarves and stuff because back then, uh, what thing was really popular, there was a, a communist dude down in South America. Castro was popular, but there was a dude over in South America who was trying to, to make some headway down there and start like a communist and take over the country down there. One of them, I can't remember, Brazil maybe. And they caught him, but he was really popular here about in che? the States. And che Guevara? I, Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And so I remember seeing some red stars on there, like they were wearing, a, they would wear a, those berets with a red star. And that was, I think he kind of made that popular. So I can see the appeal towards the youth in that regard, especially uh, poor, impoverished youth, because you see unity in it. You see them, everyone bringing their resources together to work together yeah. for one common goal. And that's what that represents. That's why I believe in socialism. But I also believe you need you need to be practical and have capitalism that works together because you, those two things America has proved it that those two things can coexist. You know, you need. Well, we are, we are a, a hybrid system, even though people don't people don't often think of it that way or like to admit it. Yeah, um, we're a hybrid system. You know, we're we're capitalists um, in some sense and socialists in another. Exactly, and so you know, it's kind of interesting how these kids like Benji. I think he actually was. I'm not sure if it was him or it was Karate Father wearing that that beret, but I do believe that they believed in you know that kind of socialism because when you are broke, you everyone has to work together. And, and Benji and, Benji was talking anti about anti-establishment. You know, like the real enemy exactly. is the system that's keeping us down, and that's very much in line with you know some uh, socialist or communist thought. And then said, you know, we were an imperialist and we were a capitalist, and well, we are, but we're not. That's not just what we are. Society. Yeah, but it was an and it was an interesting identity too, though, because they were also mixing it. I mean, they were talking about some of it got sparked by the um, Hell's Angels. Yeah, you know, so some of the symbolism got came from them and the riding of motorcycles and the leather wow. jackets they wore. Um, and the, you got you see black dudes, and this is what really tripped me out. You saw black dudes. I mean, you know, you see some Mexican but black dudes wearing swastikas on their arms. Yeah, that's, you that's, know when. Yeah. You know, the whole ideology of, of Nazism is, you know, totally against black folks. But yet you see these yeah. guys. And what that proves is that when you are when you're thinking in a violent manner, you almost you worship 
violent tendencies, regardless of where they come from. Huh. You look that's at the, the German, uh, just the Third Reich, that's what they called it, and how they were, you know, so violent and so wicked. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting how, call it for what it is, they look pretty wicked, you know, those biker games. Right. But yeah, that's really right, out yeah. too. Seeing these guys wearing Nazi gear, that's uh-huh. just, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, man. And that's what a lot of the bikers did. Yeah, wearing Nazi Yeah, bikers stuff. wore that stuff, but I just, I don't know. I mean, you might as well just wear a cake, a KKK. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I, th- I think it was such a, you know, they were just snatching identity tags from everywhere and ultimately it's like you said it was about trying to appear intimidating and and uh violence you know that they were projecting yeah and it was some of the gang you know i don't know which gangs were doing what you know they said like almost every street had a gang you know yeah. and it was like so many gangs in the bronx and with all these different identities you know all their different colors and you know their names they had really interesting names you know you had the ghetto brothers which that one's pretty straightforward and then you had something like the bachelors it's like okay <laughs> And then you they had did. something like the, uh, yeah. the storm in 57s or I don't know what else, you know, it was just, it was just really interesting. Yeah. The, the war pigs. Yeah. The war pigs. The, war pigs too. the nomads. The nomads. Uh, the black spades. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Just a whole bunch of different ones. It was interesting. It was, it was interesting. It was, it was fun though. You know, it really was. It was I think I, I love the unity. I love the, the end of the story. And that's why I thought it was so awesome that we did this one you know, after 13, because after 13 just left you and, you know, you just felt so, so, you're so sad, you know, and depressed about what we've been living and how many of us have been kind of blinded to what's been really going on, you know, and then once you, you know, but when you hear and watch a story about, you know, Rebel Kings and you see that, you know, when people come together, you can change the world and they change the world. Definitely. You know, hip hop is, so influential and so, I mean it actually has done things and did, and jumped outside of its own music I mean you see it um, ha- have an influence in country and you know all over uh-huh. we're out with all of music you know you see a little bit of hip hop and you know since from that era that time and that place and, and it's all because of there was so much tragedy because of that that tragedy it was, there was a positive yeah. that came right. out of that I believe that you can you know if there's that optimism you have, you know, that optimism and you just believe that there is a bright future that can transform the world. And for me, I'm a futurist. I am a Christian, but I'm also a futurist. I believe that there's so much out there to be had. Running our own solar system, yeah. you know, that can help mankind to thrive. And we can identify those things. Why would we have that fruit dangling at the end of a branch if it's not, if we couldn't get to it? Right, right. So I believe, you know, one day mankind is going to figure out a way to get there. And I, you know, uh, I'm not sure how to to see that yet. I'm still kind of. Well, you know what I always say is the only thing, the only thing I'm sure of is that I'm not sure. And, um, you know, I'm worried about the problems that we have right here, right now. And I look at it as just this kind of race between, you know, us being able to keep going and developing positive things that are eventually going to make things better and better and better. And also Mm -hmm. our capacity to keep developing things that make things worse. And we're just, you know, we're always creating. That's the thing. That's what we do. We're always creating. So we We create all these tools and any tool can be used for good and bad. There's no telling ultimately, you know, which way we'll go. I'm hopeful that we'll take our tools and do good work with it, but just like a hammer, you know, it's very useful, but you can also hurt people. And we also mm-hmm. create tools that, that do create problems for ourselves. You know, this, this story, Rebel Kings was, it does have that positive message to take from it. 
but it's also and thirteenth is also awesome documentary, but they're it just is. different in the sense that one has a solution because it's a story that happened and and had a positive solution, whereas thirteenth is talking about an ongoing problem that we haven't resolved yet. So it does hit you hard. It does. You know, I don't see it as negative necessarily because it's just a hard hitting you know documentary, and as documentaries do, they tell the truth, and it's just the fact that it's telling a story that hasn't had a resolution yet. So that's yeah. that's why it, it stays with you that way. It does. Whereas Rubble Kings, you know, talking about a story that that is pretty much resolved. Though I did notice the director, his name is um, Nicholson. He does have another documentary coming out. But um, Rubble Kings came out in 2010. Okay. And this one's called From Ruins They Rise. Oh, wow. And it sounds like this more of the story, possibly. Oh, wow. Yeah, it says the true story of the historic 1971 South Bronx gang peace treaty that served as the basis for the movie The Warriors. Awesome, man. Yeah, so... I can't wait for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it says post-production, so... Okay. Yeah, so there's... Uh, apparently, there's more to the story. I'm excited about that one. But, you know, Mingo, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about just doing this, doing this. And, you know, another thing, too, but I think we could even do better, even. We'll get better as we go along. I think yeah. it's all worthy discussion. You know, there's more to be said, yeah. of course. There's always more to be said. We're having the discussion, and exactly. hopefully people right. listen, they You're get right. interested, they check it out. You know, I think that documentaries are just such a great form of information yes. it's just an, a form that you know documentaries are great because they tell a story i agree and sometimes it's through someone's perspective but it's just a great way to to take in information and learn things in depth and in detail that you wouldn't otherwise you know the hidden facts and all these interesting things you know that you get to discover and it has a visual format to it yeah you know it just makes it fun to do these kind of interviews there's another one you need to watch it is called winter on fire and domingo it's you know, kind of like on the front lines of, of a real revolution and kind of neat. So go use the restroom, you know, and I don't want that to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll edit it. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, that'll, right. that'll be the but, intro. You know, as want... soon as I start it, I'll put that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Okay. Appreciate your time. All right, All right brother. All right, take care.